everybody. I'm Kelly Ellers. I'm Jeffrey Lennon. And this is Volume Up by the Teens. We're here another week. Oh, yeah. Another week. We did it, <laughs> gang. Um, and we survived the Olympics. It seemed like the 2020 in 2021 games <laughs> would never end, but they have. Yeah. And we are, I'm so thankful. I mean, it was heartwarming, wholesome content, but you know. you know, and leave it to Johnny Weir to just go out with the bang with that hairstyle. I was for it. I'm all for an Olympic sort of barrette or brooch in a, in a heightened hairstyle. It was drama. Yes. It was, you know, a moment. It was, I think, the best way to, to end such a big, high-profile event, yeah. really, with, like, that kind of helmet hair. And people seem shocked that he would do something shocking, which is like, do we know him? Apparently because not. That's, I'd be shocked if he didn't do something shocking. Yeah, so. it, it did like give me sort of like 1980s mm-hmm. televangelist wife. For sure. Like vibe, like, you know, like yes. they could sing, he could break out into song at any moment. Um, you know, and we would get an 800 number to donate to. But yeah, it was, you know. Yeah, it was lots good. of different hairstyles that we yeah. saw at the games. You mentioned shocking, and I have to tell you something. Outside of my front door, <laughs> up high, is a barn swallow's nest. I know it's a barn swallow because they like to swoop in on people to protect their mm. nest. Which I got it for sure, but I'm now afraid to walk out my front door because I encountered a swoop in my hair. It is very shocking. I'm sure the neighbors <laughs> were there for it. <laughs> Where's the ring footage? Kelly, come on. Let's let's release it to the public. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. no. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah it was a wow moment. <laughs> I'm glad you survived. Uh, I explicitly go through the garage now. So there's that. <laughs> As, as you must. I mean, you live, you learn. You learn, damn it. Uh, wow. Wow. Speaking of living and learning, on last week's episode, I interviewed Tessica Brown, founder of Forever Hair, also known as the Gorilla Glue Girl, uh, on her heroin journey uh, and how she turned that whole experience of going viral for all the wrong reasons into a business opportunity. Love chatting with her. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback about the interview. So if you missed it, go check it out. And if you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, at ReadTheTees, and send in questions to volumeupofthetees.com. This week, I interviewed Kimberly Carney, founder and chief executive officer of Fashwire and Glosswire, two innovative two-sided B2C marketplaces. With over 20 years experience in marketing for wireless and tech companies and 15 plus years in the multi-brand retail space, Kimberly no doubt has a unique perspective into fashion and beauty and the interplay of data and marketability. So this was a great interview. We pushed the envelope into how data is playing such a big role um, in our lives. We know that, but how do we use that data? How do brands use that to inform product, to inform uh, consumer behavior? So super fascinating interview. Can't wait for that. It's going to be so good. You guys are going to love it. But before we get there, there is something that we've got to talk. Well, there's a couple of things we're going to talk about. Right, yeah. But the first 
is really, it's just like been everywhere. We can't escape it. And that is the Sex in the City reboot. Yes. Whatever they're calling it, it's the reboot, right? Like it, 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 retitle it all you want. Um, we're talking Carrie, we're talking Charlotte, we're talking Miranda and friends. No more Samantha. Uh, they've all debuted varying degrees of gray hair. So let's talk about that. How are you feeling about seeing Carrie Bradshaw with some gray? I mean, I love some gray. Like, Mm -hmm. I think it's beautiful. I think that someday I have aspirations to have a full silver head of luscious hair. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go there. Mm -hmm. It's going to be an ugly transition, but I'm going to get there at some point. Okay? Um, So... (laughs) That being said, I think that they all look absolutely stunning. I think it's a tribute to how they have aged so beautifully and timelessly and are still very much in fashion and in vogue, literally and figuratively. So I'm here for it. What about you? I mean, I love a gray hair moment. Um, Silver foxing it myself, although not really. Um, I'd like to think of myself as like becoming one of those kind of people. I've got some gray. Uh, So I love to see it. I'm Uh I'm pro- I'm pro this experiment. Um, it is a little bit jarring though, not because I don't want them to have aged in the way that they want to. I mean, I want that for them. I want that, that I'm happy about that journey, but for like the Carrie Bradshaw character, it is a little bit like, I don't know that Carrie would do that. Cause she was such a like, but I mean, Great whatever point. she, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I feel. Miranda it tracks, although I miss the red. That was like the thing. So, you know, you're right. I don't know if she'd go there. I, I'm seeing like an icy, icy white blonde. Right. Like There's Sarah no Jessica no Parker, the actress, right. makes total sense. Yes. Right. I, I'm, and I like that for her. I, I just do. don't know about... Right. Uh, that's that's where I'm coming down on this. Uh, like all about the embracing natural, whatever natural is to you. It just seems something seems off for me. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. What else is happening? Speaking of something else that is everywhere in the news right now, Despite the fact that we are living through a lot of other newsworthy things, i.e. this Delta variant that we've talked about here on the podcast before, stuff that you wouldn't think matters suddenly matters. Um, And one of those things is that United Airlines has introduced, quote, more inclusive cabin crew and makeup rules, end quote, Uh, which leads me to believe that this, I'm in shock. I mean, honestly, like in looking at them, and we're going to talk about it, it just seems like this wasn't already a thing. Kelly, walk us through some of the changes that they're implementing. Right. So congrats United on being at least a couple decades behind (laughs) at a a fair minimum. (laughs) They are allowing this small, but quote, significant change to allow employees to feel welcome to be their authentic selves at work, celebrate their individuality while also serving as an ambassador for the brand. So, I mean, there's always been the debate of uniforms, right? Like, are they comfortable? What do they look like? You know, does it work for everyone? But now this policy change to me is, it seems to be lightly, if not fully insulting. (laughs) Um, That's where I'm at. This is crazy. I mean, I just, I guess not being a flight attendant I don't have to give much thought to it other than like when you're on a flight and you're engaging with these folks and like how insane that like so much of their dress and their presentation to the world is policed by their employer 
Uh, especially over like stuff like nail polish. Like who gives a rip okay, about what they But then they have to have, if they have a visible tattoo, customer facing workers of all genders, the tattoo has to be smaller than their United badge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to meet the, the attorney who wrote this. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Do better, United, and literally every other airline. Um, Also, people that are flying, don't harass your flight attendants. That that other story about the guy that was duct taped to the seat. We don't need that right now. Unprecedented times. They're showing up. There's people who aren't showing up. I mean, give them them a break, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Let them wear their hair however the heck they want. Damn it. (laughs) In equally exciting news, Mm -hmm. there's so much happening on thetease.com. We are going to run through some of our favorite articles from our hardworking editors. Kelly, what are you into on thetease.com from this week? Okay, so I love me some Sparks hair color. So it may not be one that you hear about all the time in our mainstream salon pro world, but they do wonderful things for our industry. So they've got their semi-annual sale Um, and you know what, we're going to live for it. I mean, we live for Nordstrom's semi-annual, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, whether you're going lighter yet still for summer or darker for winter and fall, I encourage you to check out the sparks semi-annual sale on salon centric. The articles on the tease about all the goodies that we can grab for a discount. Uh, so I'm really into this article, which is titled five times Bella Hadid totally embraced early 2000s hair trends. Uh, mostly because I can't get enough of revisiting that time that was very formative for me. Uh, so say what you will about a one Ms. Bella Hadid, lover, hater, you know, she's really nailing this Y2K era hair. Uh, we're talking thick, chunky highlights, frosted yeah. tips, zigzag parts, the works. Uh, our editorial team did a deep dive on Bella's 2000s via 2020, 2021 hairstyles. And it's a good one. Uh, So check it out uh, just to like bring yourself back to that time. And like, are any of these styles really worth revisiting? That's the question that I walk away with. And I got to say, the answer is no. But what? what? (laughs) You would disagree. That's fine. Go to thetease.com. Check out the article. Let us know how you feel. Should these styles be resurrected? She's already done it. Would you do it? I, I gotta tell you, I'm inching towards a, a chunky highlight. I'm I'm okay. inching towards okay. it. You know, just a big live, old swoop. Like live it up. Do it. Do it. I mean, come on. Why not? Why not? I'm pro that. I'm pro that for you. Okay, last one for today. MPS Eco is the new eco-friendly hair brand you gotta know about. Certainly, sustainability is a, is a pressing issue for hair brands. And now Earthly Body, the eco-friendly parent company behind brands like Amera and CBD Daily has certainly been prioritizing their elimination of plastic waste. So love this. I love it for the brand. Um, Since the beginning, it's a family-owned company. They've really dedicated themselves to creating naturally derived hair products. Their plant is solar powered. Um, And so it's not only good for my strands and your strands, but it's good for the environment. So check out MKS Eco on the Love that. 
As always, there's so, so much going on at tees.com. There's articles that are being uploaded constantly. So check it out. Thank you to our editors. We are so proud to publish the stories that salon pros and consumers care about. All right. Next up, we have Kimberly Carney, founder and CEO of Fashwire and Glosswire. And I got to tell you, Jeffrey, I learned a thing or two or three or four. She is an incredibly (laughs) brilliant, smart, um, engaging female founder. And I was here for this interview. Um, I like to maybe think we're friends. So Kimberly, you'll have to let me know what you think about that. So (laughs) excited for everyone to hear the interview. We're here today with Kimberly Carney. She is the founder and chief executive officer of Fashwire and Glosswire, two innovative two-sided B2C marketplaces. With over 20 years experience in marketing for wireless and technology companies and 15 years in the multi-brand retail space, Kimberly has a unique perspective into fashion and beauty's interplay of data and marketability. This drive to bridge the connection between technology, consumers, and designers was the catalyst for her to launch Fashwire. Fashwire and Glosswire. And today we're going to learn more about both of those. So excited to have you on the podcast today, Kimberly. Welcome to Volume Up by the Tees. Well, thank you for having me. I'm (laughs) super excited to be here. I know. And I know that some of you will be able to see your beautiful background, but that is actually your store you're at. It is gorgeous, tastefully curated, like all of your endeavors. All right. So I would love to start us off today. Tell us where you started. Give me your background on kind of your career path and what led you to where you are today. After I graduated college, I wanted to get into marketing. I had been working for my dad, doing marketing, different things at his company. And um, I started taking these different temp jobs like at Microsoft and And I took a temp job at AT AT&T Wireless and um, it was like a secret out of them that was in a townhome. So I walked in, nobody was fashionable. And I thought, oh, this is going to (laughs) last a day. Um, (laughs) Next thing you know, I'm on a plane to Malaysia and I am hitting all over the world, like 50 plus countries working with, I'm aging myself, the technology TDMA, which was big for um, um, the wireless technology back in the day. So I worked for them in marketing for two and a half years. And then I went to .com and I worked for a company called Discover Music. And um, basically, in my opinion, we would have been iTunes, but we got sued by the labels. Okay. All (laughs) right. Yeah. That'll get you. That'll get you. But it was a great marketing career. I got to work with early Amazon days and got to work with Blockbuster and worked with um, Billboard. And it really brought me into the tech world and really the understanding of technology. And um, I was really tight with the developers and I learned code and how to develop and everything straight from them. So um, we got bought by a company in my ninth month of pregnancy with my first child. All right. And then um, um, after about three months of of being a mom, I decided to just do my own marketing consulting and did various things for former CEOs and different companies throughout um, having both of my children. And then when I was ready to really go back to work, a boutique hired me to go and do her whole store event and party. And she asked me if I could go on a buying trip. And I'm like, of course, I would love to. What girl does not want to go on a buying (laughs) fashion buying trip? So to this day, I still get butterflies when I walk into showrooms. I love the whole buying process and it really, I found what I wanted to do. And then I launched the the store myself with a business partner about seven months later. And 
Um, she went in a different directions a couple of years after that. And I went on my own and I started seeing at the trade shows in the beginning, you would wait in line and you'd have to write orders. And it was, you know, really just mm-hmm. handwritten everything. And I really saw that, you know, like the Facebooks and the um, Google starting to come to fruition with their technologies and realizing, wow, the fashion industry is going to have to adapt. So I came up with the idea in 2009, 2014, I really started to get serious about it. And then in 2015, I launched with my first developer and um, really was able to hit the trade shows because I had a fashion boutique and get that insight from the designers our technology. And um, after about a year, I realized we needed to redo the app and it was going to be with a different development partner. Um, rebooted and rebooted in 2000, found the developer in 2017 and we launched in 2018 with a Google partnership. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was like the history to get there. You know, we had to start (laughs) over, but every entrepreneur does, but um, it was fantastic. It really gave me the the industry knowledge that I needed to know to really build this app correctly and bring yeah. together a team of executives like from eBay and Starbucks and um, F5 and these different companies to come in and give me their expertise to help us really build this out. And and then, you know, after about two years, we were doing fantastic. Um, end of 2019, we got asked to be the fashion sponsor for Gold Meets Golden, which dresses the Paralympians for, cool. wow. uh, for this big event around all the awards shows and we really got our traction with Hollywood, got in TMZ who, you know, that's success right there, <laughs> yeah. got our first TMZ coverage and then the pandemic hit. Great. And yep. in light of traditional retail being closed, we were really seen as a true flat platform. And just, just really to go back in that early days of finally getting this technology right, I was in front of big affiliate fashion companies wanting them to sign on with us. And they were like, oh, you're too small. You'll never get brands. So of course, mm. went back to the trade shows and we cold walked the floors and got in front of them. And today, we, and when the pandemic hit, we were at 200 which was fantastic already from like 25 countries today, we're over 400 brands from 40 countries on the fashion. Whoa, and that's it's crazy. really the pandemic really showed tra- Fashwire's true value in, mm-hmm. in the, uh, in the happenings of closing down traditional retail and, and our brands, I mean, we retain 95% of our brand partners, you know, through that process, wow. we were able wow. to change our fees and do different things to help them and onboard new brands who didn't have a place to show their brands. Got it. So that's speaking specifically to Fashwire. Tell me about in, in layman's terms for our listeners, what is the concept? So like you mentioned, um, it's a two-sided marketplace connecting yep. fashion designers directly to consumers through data-driven technology. So yep. on the B2B side, really we're here to navigate consumer consumer. Sorry, I'm going to start over. Yep. On the B2B side, we're here to navigate consumer demand and increase profitability for the brands by helping them make more intelligent production decisions because the consumer can go in and swipe left if they like it, swipe right if they don't. That's yep. instant data analytics and behavior into what's resonating with the consumers. That's unbelievable. So obviously the digitization of, of what you're doing and what you're putting out there for brands, tell me what their reaction is to that. I mean, that's a high value, very high value to them, I could assume. Huge value to them because yeah. they, they get to see the consumer's shopping behavior patterns and, and those insights provide them with the ability to make those intelligent production decisions to help facilitate, improve margins and full price sell-through is wow. what we're aiming for. 
for the fashion brands. That's unbelievable. I want to jump back. I want to jump into your mind back in what 2009 was it? Like, how did you like this just idea just dawned on you one day or you were like, I've got it. We've got to bridge the gap, right? No, actually. Do you remember <laughs> Holt Luck that got bought by Nordstrom's? Yes. Yeah. So I was, um, I had a meeting with this, Colin Dine used to run Justin Timberlake's brand, William Rast and People's Liberation. And Colin was in Seattle and he was having dinner with Michael Barber, who did the transaction for Hot Look and Nordstrom. So we're okay. sitting at dinner and I'm asking all the numbers questions. I said, <laughs> so what do you guys think of my idea? And, and Michael said, you're about 10 years away from that. And, Ooh. you know, and isn't that crazy how I went through stops and starts and yeah. to yeah. end. And in 2019 was when we were really hitting our ground. So yeah. it's kind of the, so really, and, and it was really hard because in the beginning I thought, okay, I'm going to do this myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, because I've had a business partnership before and I'm not going down that path again, yeah. so I'm going to do this. And, um, and then, um, you know, I think my first developer that I didn't mention, I think I'm pretty sure I bought his fiance's engagement ring and I didn't get anything <laughs> from him. And then the second developer, uh, you know, although the relationship didn't work out, he gave me a prototype to take to okay. market and get that designer feedback. And with something that's never been done before to have the, your own, like your own data from the designers of what they want to see, because I want to be a brand advocate. I want to be here for the brands because you go back to take my store, for instance, when a smaller like woman owned brand or black owned brand, or those brands I love to get behind and get in front of wants to be in my store. And I take a chance and I say, I spend $2,000 on bringing them in. And if it doesn't sell, I can't carry it anymore. We're like AG and Michael stars and theory. They're going to sell all day long. Mm -hmm. And, And I thought there has to be a platform where everybody emerging and established brands can sit together and then they can provide visibility for one another for their own consumer basis. Because as we've all seen in a pandemic, we have to be collaborative because if we're not, we're going to fail. Wow. That's unbelievable. I love it. I love the energy too. It's amazing. Um, Where do you think, you know, obviously the pandemic taught us a lot about in-store versus e-com, you know, are we in the midst of potentially the pandemic can continuing getting worse. I don't know. What's your lens that, that you're working off of? The pandemic really changed the digital landscape and consumer behavior has shifted so much that even what I'm seeing in our back end, you don't know what they're going to buy from day to day. Hmm. And you can't rely on historical data at all anymore. And right now we're starting to see a surge in variants and we are, people are getting sick again and we're seeing mandates of vaccines in New York right now. And you know, others are going to follow. So if that means retail, retail is going to be impacted by that because, because it's retail will be impacted no matter what. So platforms like ours are give that ability for the brand at no cost, you know, outside of, you know, each time we sell for them, we get a percentage, but they can just get on our platform and get that visibility because we have, you know, over 300,000 downloads and we've got that consumer base. And those were all paid. Our app is free now, but up until just a week ago, I mean, those are paid people paying to get on that app and shop those brands. And I wow. think that we're, I think digit, digitization is here to stay and every brand needs to adapt. 
they need to have some, even for our site, they need to have an e-commerce, you know, site so that we can direct them because we're not selling the product. We're directing them, we're linking them directly to their site. Yeah. So they can sell the product because we want the brand to have that exposure. And yep. you and I both know that exposure is key to mm-hmm. revenue. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. Okay. So that is, you know, we, we dove into Fashwire. Tell me about then how Glosswire launched and, and the kind of the, the precipice behind that as well. Well, truth be told, I have a team that are back with backgrounds in beauty okay. and they were on me and I was very like, no, I know fashion. <laughs> I know tech. I don't know beauty. And, um, and I said, I, and they said, really, the technology is going to be really fantastic. And we think we can do this. And so I called my developer and our development partner developing now is amazing. They are so open and so great with us as a startup. And, um, I said, how, how much work or what would it take to replicate the <laughs> app? Mm-hmm. But it needs to be different because we need to be, we're, you know, men's and women's in fashion, but we need to have like more of just a unisex platform that can target to men and women. How difficult would it be? And sure. he said, oh, take us about two months, maybe. Max. Oh, and I okay. said, um, and I said, okay, so the team wants to go beauty. And, and how do you feel about that? And he goes, well, how do you feel about that? Like, <laughs> I said, they're not taking no for an answer. And so I think that we need to give this to them. And, cool. um, and I said, so let's do it. I'll learn beauty. I can do this. And mm-hmm. sure enough, we built it and we started getting brands behind the scenes that nobody knew about. And it was great because we had this fashion community. So the brands could uh-huh. get behind what we were doing yeah. and um, and we signed up like 60 brands prior to launch and we got celebrity brands like Stephanie March, um, Carolina Krakova, and they all got behind us. So we're, I like to say we're a niche curated mm-hmm. brands and we're being very specific. Think early days Sephora. We're trying to be that discovery platform for okay. beauty. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to dive a little bit more into beauty. We're going to talk about skin. We're going to talk about clean beauty. Um, what are the products that you love the most? from a skincare category. I mean, I'm testing you because you're learning beauty. You learn beauty. Like I just mentioned, Glosswire has a wide range of products mm-hmm. that really focuses on wellness and health. Alpen Beauty is a wonderful example of products okay. that use well-crafted ingredients really straight from the mountains of Jackson Hole. And they are 1% for the planet. And which I think is amazing. You know, anytime you can give back to the earth and the planet, it's amazing. And Vertly is another brand that focuses on CBD and botanical infused products that nurture, protect, and just really support your skin with handcrafted products from Northern California created. They really create them in the small batches. Okay, cool. And I think what makes um, Glosswire so, what makes Glosswire so incredible is we tell each of our brand stories on the app. So the customer has full transparency into these products and our brand's founders. And aside from that, we do these IG lives, you know, every other week or so with one of our brands and really talk about that with not only our consumers that are on the IG live, but the questions and answering, because it's super important that we, you know, give that education to our consumer base. Yeah. And you mentioned awareness obviously is key to driving great retail decisions, et cetera. How did you initially build your consumer following for Glosswire? Well, we capitalized on our Fashwire consumer because fashion and beauty do go hand in Mm -hmm. hand. I was on Fashion Group International Beauty Discovery Talks with 
um, Chloe Hall from InStyle and cool. other people in the beauty industry. So we got that initial exposure and then we launched a pitch competition for our female founders. Cool. And awesome. It was incredible. <laughs> and we had more than a thousand people show up to the live digital webinar of this competition. And we received so many downloads from that. And we also did a dollar download to philanthropic causes. And we were cool. able to get the, the charities following as well. And our Instagram, we built our Instagram to over 300,000 now, which I think is pretty profound in exposure yeah. to the apps and the website. Yeah, that's that's some really fast growth, right? From a community perspective and and nice that you could leverage the two for sure. Um, how do you go about curating? So you, you said pre-launch, you had 60 brands um, on signed up. How do you continually curate new brands? Like, is it you out there looking for it? Is it your team? Like, how are you finding those? So my, my team is out there finding those. So I have an international beauty business development, um, Serbia. She recently just brought 18 brands international onto the platform. Um, And then I have Samantha Yanks and Syra Mihar. Um, Samantha Yanks is a former editor and she really built our initial brand base for beauty. She was super to the brands and she gave us the brand strategy to stay curated and niche with our brands. Yeah. And, um, and then, um, Syra comes from launch metrics, comes from fashion and beauty. And she has also brought on brands. In fact, the brand, um, that won our pitch competition was huh. a black owned brand that she brought on. So it's been fantastic, really working with the two of them and really learning their strategies to bring on brands. And we have like a beauty deck that they send out to our brands and then Mm -hmm. they set up zooms with them. And then they have a conversation. They walk them through the platform. And I think our powerful press that we had in the, Mm -hmm. during the pandemic in 2020 was really essential in the brands trusting a platform they could rely on. Yeah, for sure. Are there any brands out there that are on your list that you're just do you just like your wish list to have on, or are they all on there already? <laughs> they, you know, we we really focus on the we're all about discovering yeah. new brands. Yeah, and we're all about those niche brands. Yeah, and I mean, we definitely want to work with the established brands at some point, like we have done with Fashwire. But I think what makes us so valuable right now is we really have that true discovery of curation yeah. and education on our platform. And we also have brand interviews that we call beauty talks yeah. with the founders that, that our user base can go in and read and learn more about their company and their product because authenticity is so important right now. And yeah giving that dive into the founder, just even me, I'm an open book because I want our brands. I want my team. I want everybody to know that, you know, we are, we really do want to be the brand advocates for both yeah. the Glasswire and Glasswire platform. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So diving into another niche, clean beauty. So clean beauty is obviously very important to all of us. Uh, what is your definition or Glasswire's definition of clean beauty? Well, for the team at Fashwire, clean beauty is really defined by the products that are, I would say, mindfully created and produced without any or suspected toxic ingredients. So the clean beauty products include ingredients that are ethically sourced and are made with the health of our our bodies and the environment in mind. So many of our clean beauty brands are Leaping Bunny certified, which is the official seal of approval for the true clean non-toxic brands. Yeah, that's awesome. Essentially, um, 
how do you think the industry can be doing more from a clean beauty perspective? I know that a lot of our listeners and subscribers at the T's are really, really into the clean beauty movement and would love your take on what could we be doing more? Well, I, I think that every consumer is different. Every consumer is different of what their true core value is of what's important to them with beauty brands, you know, whether it's sustainability, whether it's the founder or whether it's, you know, what feels right for them. But I think, you know, we start with the environment, right. And we start with our bodies. And I think just really focused on the ingredients and what what these brands are putting into their products is very educational. And Mm -hmm. then they can go and do their research to find what is best for them. But I think it starts with all of us, you know, to just stay mindful of what we are doing for the environment and what we are doing to help with sustainable brands, whether on fashion or even in beauty, the circular beauty, it's so important. And even vegan beauty as well. Totally. I all that into it. And it really, it's very, very vital right now that it starts with the consumer. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, even a couple of years ago, five, 10 years ago, whatever, how this movement has become so forward facing. It's like, why did it take so long? Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. Some of the things that we've put in our bodies, on our skin, in our hair, and it was commonplace, you know? Well, and thankfully it's no longer a trend, right? Remember right. when it was a trend Yeah, and yeah. Now like... it, it, it just is. <laughs> and, and it's here to stay yeah. and it's going to continue to stay. And, and really the brands have to be mindful. The consumers have to be mindful. And I think what's so great about Glosswire, um, we really get to provide the consumer with all of the ingredients. Yeah. The brands are who their founders are, you know, and we, we have, you know, we have sustainable beauty. We have black owned brands. We have female owned brands. We have men's products and everybody is, I think the consumer today is very focused on what they need and what's important to them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what's next? We've got fashion, we've got beauty. Is there another market segment that you want to spill for us that you're going to head to next? (laughs) Well, fashion Lux may have just gotten developed. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to, do you want to share about that? Um, we're heading into the luxury market. We we just finished the app and the website Cool. and we actually have, you know, about 20 brands from the Fashwire site that are part of the, um, part of Fashlux already. We are heading down to the trade shows next week. So we'll be able to get in front of the luxury brands and we will start, you know, building the brands like we did for Glosswire. Awesome. And once we build those brand, the brand base, and we feel like we're ready to launch, we're hoping October, November, but it is done, okay. it is okay. ready. And we will be showing it at the shows next week. So your Ooh. time is impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. That's amazing. So can you give me an example of what the Lux brands might be in there? Is it just focused on fashion? Are you moving into like home goods, any, any other type of kind of ancillary products? We're sticking with luxury, luxury fashion, that higher price point. It's interesting as I've watched it on our platform, because people will, the the consumers are buying the $50 item and they're buying the $1,200 item. We try not to be $1,200 on Fashwire, but we do have those brands, but they will be moving over to Fashlux. But staying fashion focused, 
um, is really staying fashion focused with that app. You know, yeah. when you build a community, like just, so when we, when we decided to do Glosswire, mm-hmm. you know, we built that community to really focus on the beauty industry and, and people want to just, you know, with, with the Instagrams or Facebooks, you're seeing like their food, their clothes, their, yeah. you know, like, their kids or whatnot, like with, with Fastwire, you know, you get fashion with Glosswire, you get beauty. And then with mm-hmm. Fastlux, you're going to get luxury. We also have a yeah. social feed in there where oh, cool. brands and the consumers can go in and like and upload pictures of their either favorite style or their beauty products. And that has been really fantastic with giving the consumer those social integration tools, such as liking, swiping, and in turn back to the brands for what is resonating with the consumer. So with beauty, with fashion, like I said earlier, I like to say increase margins, but for beauty, it's really helping them with their brand strategies and their product offerings. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It's like a gold mine of data. (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> Do you feel that you've got any competitors out there? In beauty? No. Okay. I think we are first to market with yeah. beauty. There's nobody out there doing the swipe left, swipe right, um, yep. and instant data back to the consumer. Yeah. Uh, with fashion, uh, yeah, there's different you know apps like the Yes or mm-hmm. in Europe, but they're, they're not us. They didn't go and travel the world and get in front of the fashion brands. And although we haven't been able to get in front of the beauty brands, we have that loyalty because they know who we are. They've watched us build. And I really think that it's, I think that's super important to the consumer and the brand. So I think that, yeah, could, could people come in and do this a hundred percent? but they're not this team. And, and right. I you know I'm, I might be a little biased, but I really have an incredible group of industry experts in fashion and beauty who are as passionate as I am about fashion yeah. wire and glass yeah. wire. That's amazing. I mean, it's all about the team, right? hundred percent. And yeah. we're, we're really, and in COVID, we really band together and did weekly Zoom. So we got to stay connected. We actually, I got to meet half my team in New York um, just a couple of weeks ago. And it was so great meeting this incredible team that you're just that like, this is my team. Look at how smart you are. Like, felt like we knew each other. It was like yeah. hugs and, you know, dinners and <laughs> wine and what yeah. you should do together when you get together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've missed that. It's been so long and hopefully, um, there'll be more of that in the future, but who knows, right? Our world is a, a question mark at this point. <laughs> Well, and I don't think you can put a price tag on a valuable team and they don't look, they know I'm the CEO and founder, but I collaborate with them every single day. And they love the fact that I give them autonomy to do their jobs and to bring their vision, you know, to their different um, jobs in the company. And when we get together on our weekly Zooms, it's really great because each person goes around and talks about what we've accomplished, what we've done and what they need help with. So we're constantly working together to facilitate the growth of both Fashwire and Glasswire. That's amazing. How big is your team? We have about eight people now, two are international content. People are international, one in Egypt, one in India. And, but I would say about eight people right now. Wow. I was expecting you to say many more, to be honest. No, we're, we're, we're small, but we're effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds like it. (laughs) Great work. Great work ethics in this um, incredible team. That's amazing. And to retain and grow that talent is as a business owner, it's um, it's also it's also important and it's a something that you have to concentrate on, right? Make sure that your team feels supported. So it sounds and like I you're doing just big, that. And and I sorry to cut you off. I no. didn't mean 
I'm sorry. And I found a big portion of this team in the pandemic. That was no way. Even, yes, we got to know each other virtually. And, and I'm so proud of this team and so grateful for each of them every day. Yeah, that's amazing. The last part are T's quick takes. So okay. these are just one-off questions. And I think I'm, I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So the first one is bar soap or body wash? Body wash. All right. You know what? Surprisingly a polarizing topic. <laughs> so, do you, some, do you have a favorite? Dove. You know what? I know. Stay true, right? <laughs> Stay true. What are you streaming right now? So I feel like you might ha- not have a lot of time to stream anything, whether it's Netflix, podcast, music, like what are you into? What's, what's feeding your soul? My treadmill and my iPod. All right. (laughs) That is, that's the thing that at the end of the day, I can get on, put my music on or listen to a Spotify podcast. Those are my two two things. That's your jam. All right. Love it. Okay. One product that you cannot live without. And it can be face wash. Clarence face wash. You go back to all the goodies. Like. I can't every time I cheat on it, I have sensitive skin. Okay. And the Clarence face wash for sensitive sin loves me. All right. It knows when you cheat. Don't do it. It it totally does. (laughs) It totally does. (laughs) All right. Advice for those who want to make it to the top of our industry. So we can talk beauty industry. You can talk tech. Um, What's some great advice you have for, for our listeners? I think it's important to always trust your instincts. As a female entrepreneur, you know, when I started, there were not a lot of people getting behind female-led brands, and it's still hard, but push through, you know, stay focused and really just trust your instincts because you know your vision. It's okay to pivot, but make sure you're pivoting at at the same time as you're trusting your instincts. That has always helped me. And every time I didn't listen to my instincts, I was wrong. Yeah. And so, and I think that we know what drives us and what's important. And it's also super important to not make decisions in a vacuum, have a team around you. That really led to my success is bringing on these advice, these advisors that I wouldn't be where I am today without them because they gave me their knowledge and in going to them before I made those bigger decisions really helped me navigate to building Fashwire to Glosswire and now Fashlux. Yeah. Woo. All right. You got a full plate. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> All right. So Kimberly, can you tell us where we can find more about Fashwire and Glosswire? Yes. You can download both the apps, Fashwire, Glosswire, soon, coming soon, Fashlux. And we have websites for both, um, Fashwire.com and Glosswire.com. Um, So thank you so much for your time today. I love your energy. I love the female founder. I love what you're doing for both the fashion and beauty industry. So thank you for your time. It was wonderful to get to know you, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you. (laughs) You bet. All right, Jeffrey. So what do you think? I mean, Fashwire, Glosswire, totally reinventing the way we think about data in our shopping patterns and habits. Incredible. I mean, you said you learned a thing or two or three or four. Same. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
<laughs> and she was so confident about all of it. I mean, yeah, no, just a, a great interview. Uh, glad that we were able to talk through some of this stuff. I don't think that people give it the consideration that they ought to. And Kimberly, I got to say, wow. She is ahead of the curve, no doubt. So to our salon professional friends out there, um, certainly Glosswire is looking to add some additional, some kick-ass luxury brands, perhaps a bit unknown that are still flying under the radar. They're looking to curate those into Glosswire. So um, be sure to check out glosswire.com um, and send us a note. We'll, we'll connect you with Kimberly herself. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate and review and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and TikTok at Read the Tease and sending questions to volumeup at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Mama Kahiki and Stephen Jodderham. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode and to Josh Landowski for editing so you can watch and listen on YouTube.